Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Acts chapter 3, if you're able to stand, we're going to read beginning at verse 1. And here is what it says. Verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going to the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently And Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the layman by the hand, by the right hand, and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd, people of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, it might be a a passage or a story that we've read before. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring new revelation, Lord, things that we haven't seen before about your nature and your character and what you want us to understand, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. It's already anointed, but now I ask that you would anoint me. As I speak, Lord, I pray I would communicate your heart and the words you want your people to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Next or new? Next or new. You see, those two words are very normal words. They're not new words. They're, th- you know, simple words at that. But let me just break down this morning for you the difference because there's a huge difference. What's next is usually predictable, obvious, evident, or even known. So let's take this context, for example. Church starts at what time? Okay, uh, we're going to practice that one more time. Church starts at? Oh, all of us were here. I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand, but you're called to be honest. Church starts at 1030. That's predictable because we all know it, right? What's unpredictable is who's going to be on time maybe. But so what's next? Well, Pastor John comes up after the video. What's next? Well, then he'll pray. What's next? Then the worship will start. You see where we're going? 
What's next is often predictable, maybe sometimes obvious or evident. Um, tomorrow's Monday, and for most of us, that means we're back to the grind, the nine to five, and that's what's next, and you have your routine. Or, uh, you know, we, we have these patterns that after dinner, I need something sweet, so this is what's next, and my brain automatically goes into that mode. And it becomes something, we've got it down to a predictable process or a science, right? And you don't even have to think anymore about such things. And if we're not careful, listen, we'll stop growing spiritually. If we're not careful in our church context, even as we gather, if everything just becomes so predictable, we're not going to grow. And I'll tell you why. If you've ever gone to the gym... I'm not like buff, but I've been to the gym a few times, believe it or not. And I remember them saying to me that, listen, if you do the exact same workout or routine and work the same muscles all the time, you're going to plateau eventually. And, and by the way, if you just work out your arms, you'll be a weird shape because your legs will still be spaghettis. So it's important to, to change things up. And they said, you got to shock your muscles and keep moving and switching almost like a, a circuit. You know, you go one day here, then next day is legs, next day is a cardio. And you have to shock your body. Why? So that you continue to grow and push it in different ways. What's next can't be always what was before. But in church life, if we're not careful we become good at predicting what comes next. And we almost go into this autopilot mode where it's just, eh, 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 eh. and then we get into the car and we go home. And what's next? Oh, it's pasta or it's lunch. It's, it's lunch at a friend's house. And we, we become really good at predicting, but we miss out on what's new. And what God wants to do perhaps in your life. And so we've got to anticipate what's next. Don't get me wrong. It's good to know that tomorrow you're supposed to go to work. Or back to school. It's good to anticipate what's next. But we have to also prepare for what's new. It's good to anticipate what's next. But we have to prepare for the new. And Jesus said in Luke 5, you can't put new wine in old wineskins or else they're going to burst. So that means I have to prepare something that's able to hold what's new that God can pour into and it'll be good. And it'll be for my benefit and my blessing. You see, that's what's next. What's new is usually unpredictable or even unprecedented. Psalm 96 verse 1 says, sing to the Lord a a new song and by the way this morning um, I got an email and I'm just going to see if I could pull up the words real quick I'm not going to try to sing or play but this is what the email said hello pastor I sent this message just want to share the below song and lyric with you I'm not a singer but make joyful noises to the Lord and they, they wrote a song called Salt and Light as they were, I'm assuming, praying and just putting uh, all these things before the Lord. And this is what it said. You are the seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. You are the light bearer that brings God colors in the world. 
If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you are hidden, how can the love of God be seen? Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Salt and light. Psalm 96 verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. So I had that in my sermon notes, already sealed and here. And then I got that and I said, praise the Lord. That there's a new song on someone's heart for what you're, what you're going to do. Um, he gives us new life when we come to him. Salvation, the old is gone, behold everything is new. Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. So I can't approach today in the same way I approached it yesterday. I can't just say, well, I know what's coming next. If the Lord's mercies are new every morning, am I wiring myself to or positioning myself to receive it in that way? New miracles. Crea- He's a creative God who gives new and creative ideas. Or it could even be as drastic and crazy as the life of David, where one minute he's out in the shepherd's field, the next he's called into the family meeting, and in that moment he's anointed as Israel's next king. That's not what was supposed to be next on my my calendar or my agenda. But David's heart, that wineskin was ripe. It was ready for the new anointing that God had on David. And it said of David that from that day on, the Holy Spirit came upon him mightily. And so it's important for us, you have to understand, God wants to do a new thing. And he can do a new thing, but we have to be able to and be willing to receive what he wants to do in our lives. Yesterday's blessings, we are grateful for them. But that's all they are today. We can count on the blessings. We can testify of them. But I believe that God has more for us in store. That the trouble is this. We hold on so tightly to what God did yesterday. We carry it into our today and into our tomorrow. And, and, and we kind of disable ourselves or cut ourselves off from his new supply and that's why it's important friend that we understand we have to get into the presence of the Lord daily we have to get into his word daily we have to get into our prayer closet daily and say God unless you speak today yesterday's blessing is just that but I need what you have for me today so I can get through today can someone say amen And I believe as a church that God is wanting to take us from knowing what is next to asking, what is new, God? What is new for Weston? What is new for my life, God? What is new for my family? What do you have in store? And for some of us, you know, life life has changed. Some people told me that uh, in answer to prayer, they got a new job. And you are living in the newness of, of this season, And it's exciting, it's vibrant, things are happening, you're on your toes. But the opposite is kind of exactly that, the opposite. Life is boring and difficult, you're frustrated, and there's no bounce in your step. You have concrete boots, if you will. And everything is like, oh, not another day. Lord, I just need your strength to get through today. Um, God will still answer that prayer, by the way. I want you to know. God will still honor your request. 
but he's got so much more to give you. And in Acts chapter 3, as we are going to go through this step by step, it's the ninth hour. Um, your translation might say that, or a more modern translation will just clearly tell us, guys, it's 3 p.m. And this is the time when they're going to pray at the temple. Nothing extraordinary or special about that, by the way. It was their habit and their custom. So this would have happened every single day. And this lame man, we're told that um, he was lame not just for like a year because of a work-related injury and, you know, he couldn't do something. No, since birth. He couldn't walk since birth. And, and it's un, it underlines the wonder of this miracle. That it's not just like, well, he could do it before. He couldn't for a while. But was it really a miracle? Was it really that awesome? No, since birth. This is, a, this is underlined in Scripture. And so it, it has to instill in us the wonder of the miracle and in verse 2, he's placed beside the gate called Beautiful. By the way, he's lame, but he's not dumb. Okay? It's a very strategic place where he's positioned. He's clever. Or it's maybe the people that are placing him that are clever. I don't know, but uh, it's a clever place to beg since people are on their way to worship and they're less likely to ignore him. You know, um, there, there's this meritous act of giving of alms where it was a good thing to give because it showed that, you know, you had more merit, especially you're on your way to prayer. Some of us, maybe, you know, that's our motivation in giving our tithes and offerings uh, is that so others can see that you're a giver. By the way, we have digital giving, so you're wasting your time because you might not see me put an envelope in the offering plate or other people, but we give digitally. So don't waste your time looking around. Or, or maybe it's literally, um, you know, you want people to see your good deeds. And so you're going to like, you're not going to give the $20 bill. You're going to be like, can I have a whole roll of, of toonies so that when I walk by, I want to make sure that the 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 the, the jar is going to clang a little more. And it's like, click, 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 Right? This man was so conditioned as he was placed in a strategic place that he's like, I'm going to get them on their good graces because they're probably going to be more generous. They're on their way to worship. You know, we see it here at 401 in Weston when we exit the highway. Um, literally, like, we know them now and my son always wants to give and we encourage him to give there's nothing wrong with that he who gives to the poor lends to God the Bible says and there's nothing wrong with giving money but I, I'm so grateful that God through his Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment that see this lame man he was smart because he knew where to position himself for generosity but that's not really the root of what he needed. Amen? Amen? Money would not fix his condition or his state. And here we have Peter and John who are walking. And they're in their ordinary habit. This is what we do. Sundays, this is what we do. We, come, we gather as the church. It was on an ordinary day, not a special day. This man had been there for years. And they brought him to this spot which was a strategic positioning of himself to receive 
the generosity from people in literal money or alms giving. But that would not fix his condition. You see, the world outside these walls, they might be asking you for help or for something, but we have to see beyond their request and allow the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment to see the root of what is really going on. You see, money is good. Maybe it'll get him some food for today. But what about walking? He could get a job, he can go work, and he can have more than enough for the rest of his life, right? But all he knew was what's next. Oh, it's the hour of prayer. They're going to bring me here because people are going to be walking by, and I'll have an opportunity. Oh, next. No, not this time. Next person, right? All he could anticipate was what comes next, But my friend, we have to move beyond what we can anticipate or perceive with our eyes as what is next. Because what's next for him was not next. It was new. Amen? And they go to Peter. He, he's calling, you know, they, there's this interaction that takes place. And what's amazing is that Peter and John looked intently at him. Now, for someone who's begging for money, his natural response is this. Oh, they're going to give me money, right? Because for him, being there so long and so many days, it would become this empty repetition, right? Money, money, right? Where people just tune him out and ignore. But now, Peter and John are looking intently at him. He's expecting money. He's, the scripture says he's eagerly awaiting what they're going to give him. And verse 5 tells us, the lame man looked at them eagerly, and so he thought he was going to get money. But money doesn't address his root problem. We've already established that. And by the way, what's the easier thing to do? Give money, right? The other part is, is hard. It's like, what if nothing happens? What, what do I do? What do I say? Giving money is easier. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll never lie. Giving money is the easy thing for us to do in this case. But I love what he says. They look at him and they say, silver and gold have I not. By the way, in case that last statement confused you a bit, uh, healing is not hard because it's not up to me. <laughs> uh, I just, I didn't want to just move on. And some of you are like, he said it was hard. Right? Healing is not from these hands. These are just, I'm the vehicle that God will use. But the power to heal, it comes from heaven. It's by his stripes that we are healed. So it's not a work that I could do. It's not something that, you know, I have to kind of muster up and figure out. There's no ABC equals stand up. It's that faith and, and recognizing the divine opportunity And then acting in the name of Jesus, because that's where our authority is. So if you remove the name of Jesus from the equation, I have no authority. I have no authority to say, get up and walk. But it's in the name of Jesus, in the person of Jesus Christ, that we find healing and we have the authority. So, you know, giving money is the easier thing. But verse 6, we're reminded that material goods are considered casual. In comparison to what we as Christians have to share with the world. I'm going to say it again. Material goods are considered casual. 
nothing special in comparison to what we have to offer the world as Christians. Think about that. I could give money, but that's just a casual response of, of me, from me. What really I have to offer is the healing that comes only by the power and in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is what they're doing. They look at him. And what Peter had and gave was the wholeness that comes through faith in the name or authority of Jesus Christ. He's like, listen, I don't have what you're asking for, but I'm going to give you what I have. Think about that. You might not have riches or eloquent speech, and those aren't requirements, by the way. I don't have what you're looking for, but what I do have, I give you. And by the way, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, you have a divine mandate on your life to be God's hands and feet extending to this world. You have a ministry. You can't dance around it. You, you could bring people to church and say, you know, my pastor and, and the leaders of the church, Pastor Miguel, we'll, we'll, they'll pray for you. But you have a mandate on your life. You have a ministry to be used by God in your world. Your world might be very different than my world. You might never step into my world, so to speak, of influence. But I might not ever step foot into your world of influence either. And wherever you go, God is counting on His church. Remember, when we dismiss, you know, 12 p.m. Or, or around that time, it's not, well, this is what's next, and then is the benediction. And, well, the service is over, but church is not. We don't finish just because we closed in prayer and we walk out the doors. We are the church. Whether we're meeting in this building, we met two years ago across the street at Emory Collegiate, we are the church. And so if you're a believer, I'm sorry to, to remind you, but I'm not sorry at the same time. Because if you call yourself a Christian, you have work to do. If you call yourself a Christian, as a church, we have work to do. We're not done. And so uh, what we have to offer is far more valuable than just a couple of coins or even a bunch of toonies that I can drop so others take notice. Listen, when you step out in faith and you be God's hands and feet, trust me, the world's going to notice. Trust me, people will, will, will look and wonder what is going on here. It was no different in Acts chapter 3 and it's no different in 2019 as we're about to roll into 2020. God is the same. He's willing to, to, to do wonders and signs and wonders and miracles. But he needs the church to step up and to be willing to be a vessel that he can use. Can somebody say amen? I don't have what you're asking for, but I'll give you what I have. And I believe as the church today, we need to echo Peter's response. Don't do what's easy and don't necessarily just look at the surface. Do you have money? Sorry, I don't. Right? What is beyond the surface? What is the root? And I believe that the Holy Spirit can give us that divine insight as to what the root is. Because if God can touch His root issue, then things will be much different. They won't be what's next. They'll be what's new now. And that's what we have to prepare our hearts for. Listen, I heard this illustration this week. You're holding a cup of coffee. Right? Someone bumps into you and the coffee spills everywhere. 
And, you know, we can ask the question, like, why did you spill your coffee? Well, because someone bumped into me, right? I would say, no, wrong answer. You spilled the coffee because there was coffee in your cup. (laughs) Had there been tea in the cup, well, the tea would have been spilled. And so the onus, right, yes, someone bumped into you, but what comes out of that encounter or that collision is really dependent on you, what you put in your cup. And so think about our text. Hey, do you have any money? Like there's a collision happening. There's a bump in the arm of whatever I'm holding is going to spill out. Well, listen, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have now is bumping I've been bumped, and now it's overflowing onto you. And the response to him is, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he bends down, lends his hand, and picks him up. You know, there is an importance to what Peter does with the extension of his hand. You know, There's a personal encounter that is taking place in Acts chapter 3. A lot of us just like to do the easy thing because we're afraid of that touch or that contact. We're afraid of just, you know, exchanging words. But what's in you is going to eventually flow out. And if if those kind of encounters scare you, I just want to set you at ease. Like, it's okay. (laughs) No one's going to be here waiting with a hammer to say, you messed up. But I want to lift you to a higher standard today with the Word of God as our example. That if you feel inadequate in those moments, maybe we're just not in tune with the Holy Spirit enough. And you could change that. Maybe you just don't have the Word of God inside of you enough. And you could fix that by digging into the Word Or maybe you just don't have that discernment or wisdom to see beyond their request. Holy Spirit can help you and give you wisdom and discernment. My question is, but are you just expecting what's next in your calendar and in your schedule? Or are you saying, God, show me what's new today. Show me, Lord, what's new today. Who else is going to bump my cup or my arm that's holding the cup? What other collision do you have in store for me or divine appointment do you have for me today? That, Lord, what's inside of me, what you've placed here can come out. Because let's be honest, Jesus saves us, but it's not only to stay here, right? It's not just so I feel good or I get the spiritual goosebumps. But some of us, we enjoy those moments, where it's like, oh, the presence of the Lord is so thick. It's so, it's so good. But it has to move beyond us and get to other people. What I've received, I have to give and release to others. Let, um, I pray, Lord, let someone bump my arm this week so that what's, what's in my cup will spill over. Now, on the flip side, if you don't like what's in your cup, change it. You can change it. And, and it's your responsibility. You can't get upset at other people, parents or children or your situation. You have to have a certain maturity to understand, why am I carrying this in my cup? It's an offense. Maybe it's a hurt. 
Maybe it's, it's, it's brokenness. Maybe it's anxiety. Listen, why am I carrying this in my cup? Dump it out. Leave it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, would you fill my cup? Fill my cup and let it overflow. We used to sing that hymn today. By the way, some of you came in and it was a different setup today. Different, we, we took it a bit more old school today. And uh, that's okay too. You know, we don't always want to be too predictable either. But some, for some of you, like, we sang a whole bunch of new songs today. Well, no, those were actually old hymns that I grew up on, right? But what's old can also perhaps become new, I guess. But they're beautiful songs. You know, fill my cup and let it overflow. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up. You know, your willingness to carry a new wineskin will create new opportunities for you. Your willingness, you can't get upset at others. Your willingness to carry a new wineskin will open up new opportunities for you. And you see, Peter is able to do the kind of thing that Jesus did by acting in the name of Jesus. You see, Peter didn't say, based on what I think, get up and walk. It wasn't a formula. It wasn't a, maybe if you, let's shake hands and like bump elbows for the illustration to be effective. And now get up, like, no. It's in the name of Jesus. And you see what we see happening in Acts is a continuation of the ministry that Jesus started. And what he started, he meant for the church to continue. Amen? And if we're still here today, church, guess what? He's not done yet. He's not done yet. We still are a continuation of the ministry that Jesus started, that Peter and John continued through the book of Acts into the early church to the church of 2019 today. There's no pause. There's no period. There's no end. If we're still here as the church, we're still a church on mission. Amen? And so Peter is able to do this kind of thing that Jesus did by acting in the name of Jesus. And now the witness of the church as continuity from the ministry of Jesus and now the witness of the church as it's being expressed. And the main point in the story is the continuing power of the name of Jesus to perform these miracles, these signs and wonders of the gospel and of the coming of the kingdom and rule of God. And so listen, the beggar, the lame man, he's begging, he knew what was next. It was either I'm going to be neglected or I'm going to get what I'm asking for the money. He wasn't expecting anything new. And here's the reality. The hard part is that we are wired and there's this innate tendency that we have to always go and lean to what's predictable and to what's next. You know, if, if you're the kind of person that you schedule your day, God bless you. I'm not like that too much. But I, I admire that because there's a focus and a discipline that's there. But you know what? When I've tried to do it and then something kind of changes or there's a, an unexpected visit or a phone call or something that I didn't make room for, it throws off everything else in my, in my day. I was going to say in my life. Uh, I guess that could be the case, but in my day. And, and it's like, oh, 
Oh, I remember one day we had someone uh, working part-time in the office, and they were very meticulous like that. They scheduled everything, and I said, listen, I'm so happy that you're organized. I said, but ministry is messy sometimes when it comes to scheduling. We, yes, we have a, a schedule, we have office hours, all of that kind of stuff, but ministry gets messy um, when, when people's situations explode, like we have to leave everything and, and go and minister and, and do things that maybe weren't on the agenda for today. And that comes with the territory, I get it. But here's the thing, we have a tendency to lean towards what's predictable or evident, and uh, Chris Vallotton said this, the greatest resistors of the new thing are people who succeeded in the old. The greatest resistors of the new thing are people who succeeded in the old. So what does it mean? If I did something yesterday, I had my day planned, everything was good, and and I succeeded. Everything got done, everything happened the way it was supposed to. It's going to actually make me resist today what might be new that I need to embrace and it's very true you know we could think through history of you know battles fought and and victories won and if we just keep the same strategy as 20 years ago well guess what we we might lose that same battle today because we're not embracing where we're at today society has changed the way we do ministry has to change uh, by the way, the message never changes. Just in case you're wondering, where is he going with this? The message never changes, but the method can. It, you know, what, 20 years ago, no one had a computer, but today you could put the gospel on YouTube and it's seen around the world, or the potential is that it can be seen around the world. You know, so the methods, we can't be married to the methods but the message, don't, don't be mistaken, cannot change. The message is the message. The gospel is the gospel. And it will never change until Jesus comes back. And so this is important that we understand it. The greatest resistors of the new thing are people who succeeded in the old. I don't know what that means for us as a church even. I don't know what that means for you in your own life or even in your family. But I've heard it said what got us here won't get us there. And so I just pray that Holy Spirit would begin to minister to your heart today. Even now as uh, you're hearing the message. But the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. You know, I grew up where my grandparents, in the basement, they would host a Thursday prayer meeting. And I was about seven, eight years old. And I would be uh, in the side room. And they would meet in the downstairs kitchen and they would pray for hours and hours. I was like, can I come and do I go back? <laughs> go back because, you know, I'd be loud or I, I'd want to ask my grandmother a bunch of questions. Uh, but, but they would pray and pray and pray. And, and I value what that generation did. I value what my grandfather did for us as a family. I remember as immigrants, they came to Canada And lived a very small, simple life. Why? So that they could leave a new and better one for us, the next generation. You know, we have to not be selfish as a generation. But we have to make sure that we are setting up the next generation for success. Can somebody say amen? 
Listen, if you're the oldest person in this room today, you're not done. You're not done. If you're still here, you're not done. That God has a ministry for you. That God has a plan for you. That you should have a heart for the next generation as well. And if you're maybe not the oldest person in the room, I think we have to get used to this idea that, listen, what I experienced, I need to pave the way for the next generation now. I need to make sure that when they come, they experience God. It might look or sound different, but that I'm leaving a pathway for the next generation to come, and they will encounter God. It might look different, it might sound different, but it's the same God. And, and it's the same gospel message. And it's important that we not say, well, they're too, the music's too loud for, for my grandson, or whatever comments people might have, I don't know. But we have to remember the main thing is the main thing. And we have to make sure that they're getting the main thing. That we're paving the way for the next generation to have a God encounter. So not necessarily what's next, but something new. It'll look different. It'll sound different. And I pray that each generation will have its own sound of heaven that will be released in Jesus' name. And this old mentality though. Sorry, not old. The mentality of what's next, right? We get stuck here. That locks us into an old wineskin that says, I've been sick my whole life, but I need money. And this is what he was saying, this, this lame man. He got locked into the what's next mentality. I've been sick my whole life, I need money. Instead, he could say, I've seen Jesus walk around and I've heard what he could do. And I want to receive the healing in the name of Jesus. You see, we get so used to the repetitions of life. And maybe you're here today. Hear me carefully. Maybe you've grown up in church, but to you it's just a facade. It's just a, yeah, whatever, say what you want. I'm just here to please my parents or I'm here to please, you know, my whoever's expectations. But you get locked in the meantime in this mindset. And you rob yourself of what God can and wants to do in your life. I would just say to you, stop looking around. Stop showing up for other people. And come so you could receive everything that your Heavenly Father has for you. Because it's different than the person sitting next to you. And stop. may we stop comparing you know, how, how do they worship? I got to maybe up my game a bit, a little higher, right? How, how loud do they pray? Or how quiet? Some of us, we can say, well, if they're quiet, I could be quiet. If they raise their hand like this, I could do it like this. It's not bad, right? Stop playing the comparison game. Stop locking yourself into the what's next mindset and start saying, God, what's new? How do you want me to worship you? Just ask him that. How do you want me to pray and express what you're doing in my life? Show me. Show me, God. I know how I can express when my sports team wins. I'm not ashamed. And everyone else in the, in the room probably does it differently, but we're still boisterous and proud. But when it comes to the gospel, may we not be silent. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. Listen, there's that personal encounter. He gives him his hand. And what's amazing is, listen, it's beyond just a prayer. It's beyond just well-intentioned, 
actions, but it has to be something that matters. Listen, if the guy never walked in his life, and all I said was, stand up and, and go. You're healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> right? I have to build faith in him. So listen, think about, you know, a baby who can't walk yet, right? Maybe they're crawling and they could stand up like leaning on a sofa or a bench, right? They fall. You have to understand the muscles and, and, and all of those pathways from the brain to tell the legs what to do, they never connected before. The muscles never developed. So it's like, you know, the calf or the little, uh, you know, uh, Bambi, the little deer. I don't know. What's the baby called? Doe? I don't know. I'm not a hunter, and I apologize for that. But, you know, when they're born and they can't, like, they just look so wobbly, right? We have to understand they could receive the word that we have, but we also need to help them. And he extends the right hand, and he doesn't just say it. Hey, take up your mat and walk. He says, take up your mat and walk. And he helps him up. There has to be a personal connection or a personal encounter. And God wants to use us in a specific way. But we have to move from what's next, from what I already know is coming, from what I already sense uh, or could see or perceive, to say, Lord, take me into new waters today. Lord, take me beyond what I'm comfortable with, beyond the borders that I have set in the past. And take me, Lord, to a place where maybe I've never been before, but I know that you're calling me and you're going to use me in that way. Would you stand to your feet? And as we get ready to close, I want to declare a passage of Scripture over us today. I really sense as a church that the conference that we're hosting, it's just a conference. But it's not just a conference. Because it's not a conference for information. It's a conference about transformation. It's if you're here and you've been living the what's next, what's next, it's, it's boring, it's predictable. My prayer this week is that you would prepare your heart for what God is going to do at conference. Because out with the old, the hurts, the offenses, the, the past, the cynicism, all of the things that would uh, pollute your mind even. And I believe that as we gather with intentionality for a day and a half, even into Sunday, some of us were going to be in church Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It, it's a commitment, but guess what? It's a time that we've set apart for God to move and to do something new in us. Amen? Listen, it's beyond the church at that point, at this point. This is about you. This is about you and what God wants to do in you. This is about what God wants to do in those who maybe don't attend our church, but they're coming to conference. And they're, they're hungry for God to move. Not what's next. We know. Conference starts at what time? 7.30. We know what comes next. My prayer is God, move us from that. Move us beyond, oh, this and then that, and I have lunch planned here, and we're going to go there. beyond that stuff. No, God, what do you have? What do you have, God? And I want to declare over us, church, Exodus 34.10. And it says, I will perform miracles that have never been performed. 
anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord. The awesome power I will display for you. And that's Exodus 34.10. And I declare it over Weston. I declare it over your life. I declare it over your family. That God will use you. God will use you to do what's new on the earth. The, the world understands church. And they think we're a big joke. Just so you know. And I don't, I don't, and I believe in one hand that they're right. Because there are a lot of churches that just go through the motions of being a religious institution. But we are a living organism that God has ordained for us and for a purpose. And so we are here, not by accident, but on purpose for a purpose. And may we embrace what is new and what God wants to do. And last thing, and we're going to close in prayer. What you did in the wilderness doesn't have a whole lot to do with what you do in the promised land. There was a mindset of the people of God when they came out of slavery and they were in the wilderness. There was one mindset. They were complaining and they wanted to go back to what was before. That was what they wanted next. But when you're in the promised land, it's a whole other ballgame. You understand that you're living in the blessing that God has for your life. There's a totally different mindset. And I pray today as we close this gathering, this service, that God would open up your heart afresh and anew. Maybe you were once like this before the Lord as an open heart. But through time and maybe through hurt or experience, it's become closed and it's become hard. I believe today before you leave this place, and I'm going to pray in a moment, that God's going to open up your heart. And as Ezekiel says, give me a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Lord, mold my heart. Mold my heart into the heart you want it to be. Use me, God. Prepare me for what's new. I prepare myself. Lord, I carry the new wineskin for what's new in my life that you want to pour out in the name of Jesus. If you're here and you need prayer, these altars are open. And I just want to invite you to come out of your seat. And as church leaders, Pastor Miguel, the deacons, we're going to come alongside of you and pray. If anyone here needs prayer, I'm not going to make a specific altar call. But if you want prayer and you mean business with God and you want to take him at his word, then you come. But I'm going to close in prayer and we're going to dismiss. But if you need prayer, come. Because I believe there's an anointing in the room. And God is here and he's ready to do something new in your life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have to gather. Lord, to worship you. Lord, to lay down our agenda and simply surrender at the feet of Jesus. Father, I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, in the families, in individuals. And Lord, as a, a church, as collectively, Lord. God, we give you glory for the new things that you want to do. Father, we thank you for every blessing in our rich history, Lord. We thank you for every blessing, Lord, that has paved the way for us to get to where we are today. But Father, today we cannot just hang on to yesterday. 
But Father, we have to look to you at what's in front of us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would prepare, Lord, the new wineskin for the new wine that you want to pour out. There's a new anointing for a new season in Jesus' name. Father, as we prepare our hearts, Lord, for this week and everything that's in front of us, even as we go tomorrow to uh, work and, and school and all of those things, we know it comes next. But God, you could do something new even in the next. And Father, as, as we think about the elections, Lord, do something new in our government, I pray. Something that's unprecedented. Something that no one expects. But Father, we thank you that as we surrender these things before you in your presence, God, that you could do the impossible. And so, Father, we thank you and we place our trust. Lord, our confidence is not in us, but our confidence is in you. Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit, today. We pray in the name of Jesus. 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 If you must go, I'm going to ask you to do so quietly, but we're going to continue to pray here and, uh, and make this a sanctuary of prayer. But God bless you into your week. And uh, if you're serving or if you want to pray with us Wednesday night, we'll see you at 7 o'clock. But please, let's respect what God is doing here in this room today. If there are deacons, you want to come and help us pray. We're going to pray for every single person today who wants prayer before you leave in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.